You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 761 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland coming to you live on this Memorial Day evening, and today's episode is brought to you by the good folks at Built Bar, the best-tasting bar in the business. And remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off on your first box of Built Bars. Today's podcast is going to be just me talking about all of the, uh, I would say, developments and the goings-on in the NBA's bid to restart play in the near future. There was uh, plenty of discussion about this in the last three or four days uh, over the long holiday weekend. And it's not uh, not necessarily a Hawks-driven podcast, but we'll obviously spend some time talking about the Hawks' fallout from all of these different discussions and how much uncertainty there still is leading up to Friday's Board of Governors call, which could be sort of a dividing line as to when things could be you know, official in nature of what the league is going to be doing. Um, but before I get to any of, the, any of the specifics, which is uh, a lot of it's based on a report from Sham Sharania over the weekend, but before I get to that, a couple things to keep in mind here that I want to make sure I say before, before anything else. Um, the players want to play. I've heard that over and over again, from inside the league, outside the league, etc. Keep that in mind through all of this stuff. Not everybody wants to play, probably. I'm sure there are players that would prefer to not be at any level of risk right now. But as a general rule, players want to play, and that also extends, um, and this is a key takeaway for this podcast individually, um, that also extends to players that are on teams that cannot make a playoff run. And we'll talk about all the scenarios that be that will be discussed in the near future. But um, there is financial there is financial incentive for players to play, um, even if they're not on a good team right now, um, both for this season to get their uh, checks and for the future uh, revenue standpoint. And, you know, money usually rules all. I will say usually, not always, but usually is a big driver in all of this stuff. I know the loss of regional sports networks re- revenue, the RSNs, what is a sort of a big talking point right now that would hit the cap next year to be sure. And that 70 game number is not a magic number necessarily, but 70 games is a threshold for a lot of TV contracts from what I understand. And the league would I'm sure love to from, from a financial standpoint, get all of the teams to 70 or higher in terms of playing games. Um, and honestly, just because of the fallout for the future, almost as much as this year, uh, the money in terms of per team definitely varies wildly from the Lakers on down, but it's still important, and uh, for next year's BRI formula, etc., I think it's obviously possible or even likely, as I've discussed on this podcast with Jeff Siegel and others, that the two sides almost have to come to a compromise of some sort to avoid a massive salary cap drop um, based on BRI and all the changes that will happen. Even if they do pull this off and go all the way through the playoffs, there's still going to be a substantial drop in BRI this year with no fans, et cetera, et cetera. So um, some negotiations have to happen for next year, uh, almost aside from this. But alas, um, I want to make sure I start off the podcast by saying that um, you know finances are definitely driving a lot of this stuff all the way around, and players would like to be playing, and I'm sure most of the owners would like to be playing as well. Okay, we'll dive in now. Um, we'll sort of go in pretty much chronological order from what was reported over the weekend. I think the most expansive reporting came from Sham, so I'm going to start off there, and we'll go from there to uh, everything that was official and not official over the weekend. So, essentially, um, the, the, the Sham Sharani report from The Athletic came out on Saturday morning, essentially. It was uh, reporting on an NBA-issued survey of all 30 general managers that was distributed around the league on Friday night. And basically, it outlines 
a bunch of the talking points that um, the league was asking GMs to weigh in on, much of, much of the scenarios. So it's kind of a good way to dive into this and sort of um, unpack it all. Um, but anyway, there's there's several options for what the league could look like for the remainder of the season. And we'll sort of touch on them briefly here and then come back to them as we go. Um, first of all, um, there is an option that was, this is, this is by the way, I'm not, I'm not putting these in order. This is the order that it was written in by Shams. First of all, you have the option to advance directly to the playoffs with 16 teams, four rounds, best of seven series. So standard playoff formula with the postseason taking place based on the standings as of March 12th. So basically that's the, as we talked about a lot, um, the possibility that you just kind of skip the regular season altogether, you go to the playoffs in an attempt to just finish up and try to crown a champion. Now this is me talking, not shams, but I think it's pretty clear that some teams or all of the teams will have to, will have to play some competitive basketball before game one of any series. Um, that kind of unlocks a lot of question marks because of just the simple reality that you know you go play, you go straight to the playoffs. You're asking a game one playoff series to matter at a very high level, especially for teams that are more competitive, like those four five series, three six series. And you're asking that to happen with no games before it. So you almost have to have scrimmages of some sort, exhibitions of some sort to get that to get that going. But not necessarily on the record here. This is just one of the options. We'll come back to it, of course. But that is one of the options that Shams lays out. Um, from there, you lay out another option that's uh, that he's calling the, quote, playoffs plus, end quote, option. So basically, that would expand the number of teams that would be going to the bubble with the opportunity to play either through a play-in tournament, potentially, to determine final seeds, etc., or um, to basically replace the first round with something of a group stage. That's uh, the more, uh, I would say, extreme option. But there's questions about Playoff Plus, like how many how many teams should it include? Should it be 18? Should it be 20? Should it be 22? All, all the way up to 24? Um, maybe even all 30 if you wanted to bring everybody back to have a play-in game. We'll talk about that in a second as well. But um, the play-in format options are also on the table. He, he reported on, uh, you know, there's this chance to like to do, just do a play-in tournament for the 7 and 8 seeds, potentially. Just the 8 seed, potentially. Or a group stage to replace a round of the playoffs with like a round robin kind of thing that you would see in the World Cup or the Olympics, etc. And kind of dive in from there. That's an interesting one, uh, in my opinion, but there you go on that. Um, other options that are on the table according to this Shams report on this survey. Uh, resuming the regular season, basically, with all 30 teams. This is the entire league playing in some capacity regular season games. Now, all teams will have to play the same number of games in this scenario. So it wouldn't be, you know, a fixed number um, in terms of everybody finishing with him number of games, but that's interesting as well. You want to talk about, um, you know, finishing a round robin of sorts to a certain level of games. We'll come back to that. And then you have an, another option of resuming the regular season with all 30 teams plus a play-in. So that one is all teams playing the same number of games followed by a play-in tournament for the final seed or seeds and then traditional playoffs after that, which is by far the longest option. If you were to have regular season plus a playoff, plus a play-in tournament, plus the full playoffs, that, that gets into a much longer bubble and a much longer timeline for all of this to happen. Um, before we get into some of the fallout here, those are sort of the big broad strokes options. It's a good time to stop right now and tell you about the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and there are almost endless reasons to try Built, try and love Built Bar. In addition to the incredible taste, Built Bar is perfect for anyone that's trying to be health conscious with the ability to lose or maintain weight while still indulging in something that, that tastes absolutely delicious. Every bar is low calorie, 
high protein, low sugar, and high fiber. To make these even better, it's a protein bar that tastes an awful lot like a candy bar. Each bar is, is covered in 100% chocolate, unlike some of the other offerings in the space. Bolt bars are soft and easy to chew, and my personal favorite is the banana nut flavor, but there are many, many others that are very, very high quality. In fact, there are 16 amazing flavors to choose from, and they all present their own appeal that everyone can fall in love with. I would fully recommend Built Bar. And in order to check this out for yourself, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. That is promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. It is a perfect day to try Built Bar. All right, and with all of the scenarios sort of broadly defined out of the way here, there are some other considerations laid out by Shams in this reporting that I want to make sure I touch on before I move on to other things. Um, the number of scrimmage games prior to any restart, and uh, I assume this means regular season or just a playoff-only format, but there's uh, some sort of debate or at least an, op- an option to weigh in on this for the GMs of two, three, four, or five scrimmage games, which would obviously not count, but would be op- an opportunity to basically have a preseason of sorts here. Also, there's a discussion about total regular season games that, w- that would be played. Right now, the Hawks, for instance, are at 67 games, but teams are as low as 63 games along along the lines here. So the numbers that he threw out there in this, always that um, in, in, in the reporting that the league threw out there, are 72 or 76. Um, for the record, I have not seen anyone, um, at least in the, at least in, in around the media, talking about 82 game season. It's just too many more games. I know you could play it a lot quicker in the bubble scenario. You can have games going all day long, maybe some back to backs, etc. But I can't imagine the league going to 82 here. I think you're going to look at 72-ish is probably the number if you want to get into the weeds, but 76 is at least uh, listed on this uh, particular reporting. Also, the playoff format is up for debate. This is a big talking point. It's got a lot of attention, particularly on on Sunday and Monday, in my opinion, on Twitter. But you could have the traditional 1 through 8 playoffs, East versus West, etc. Basically the normal way you would do it with 1-8 matchups on both sides and go on and go on. But then there's also a uh, an argument and a potential, anyway, that's being discussed to reseed the teams. Now, this was discussed and has been discussed um, ad nauseum in the last few years. It's a popular idea on the internet, to be sure. Um, Eastern Conference teams always hate this idea, at least recently, because e- the East has uh, been easier than the West now for quite some time. Um, but you know, this I guess the. Uh, the argument would be that you know East teams probably still won't love this even now with all the flexibility, but it's worth noting that there's a lot of talk about what the league can maybe try during the pandemic while there's built-in demand and people will be probably happy with just kind of any basketball whatsoever. So, so if they want to get weird and experiment, this goes for the play for the play-in tournament as well. This is, might be a good idea to go ahead and sell that. It also could be the case for um, sort of flipping the calendar overall to the Christmas start, which we talked about a lot on the podcast, but. I'll throw this uh, reseeding under that umbrella as well. But as just for the record, right now, if you did this, it'd be Bucks Magic, which is the same series, actually. <laughs> kind of funny. 116. Then you have Lakers Nets in the 215. Uh, Raptors Grizzlies, the 314. Clippers and Mavs, which would be fun, in the 413 series. Celtic Sixers in 512 would be a lot of fun. Nuggets Pacers would be the NBA TV series, I assume. And I heard people talk about that a little bit, but I'd be riveted by that. And then Jazz Rockets 710 and then Heat Thunder 89. That would be the standings right now if they did not do anything else. Uh, that'd be pretty interesting in a lot of ways. But again, I think the Eastern Conference owners are not going to vote for that for uh, pretty obvious reasons there. Um, Elsewhere, a couple more things to touch on that Shams reported on before we get into everything else. Um, there's some roster considerations going up here, according to the reporting from The Athletic. Um, the possibility that a limited uh, the little limited roster expansion was written about here. The choice for potentially one to three additional spots, which would allow teams to have more players on their active rosters. And then um, 
and then actually more on more on the inactive list. Um, for the record, right now, two-way players cannot play in the playoffs. That could change that because otherwise, I'm not really sure who teams would be signing. There's a transactional freeze right now, for instance. But um, this might impact teams if they have two-way guys that could be able to add to their roster for more depth and more insurance. Also, the potential for expanding playoff rosters for all playoff teams is on the table, apparently, at least according to the survey here. And then, uh, as I said before, the two-way stuff, being eligible for the playoffs. Then um, the last thing in terms of what Shams reported on um, on his survey, um, sort of, I guess, evaluation, is the latest possible date for the NBA finish. And the options that the GMs were given were Labor Day, September 15th, October 1st, October 15th, or November 1st. Um, just for the record, this is me now editorializing. I think Labor Day is kind of out the window at this moment. Um, I guess if you just did playoff only, you might be able to try and finish by around Labor Day, but that's getting a little bit more unlikely as we get deeper into this process. But other ones are worth noting, especially because if you want to start on Christmas next year, if you're going into November, that'd be mighty, might be mighty tough to ask the, at least the teams in the finals to take like a six-week offseason and then have to start again. That'd be pretty interesting in a lot of ways. Um, but alas, there's, a, there's lots of moving parts here. I think um, the Hawks have, have incentive to talk about different things and they want to be playing as much as possible here, potentially for money reasons, but we'll touch on that here in a moment. Um, the last thing I want to touch on before we get to uh, another quick break is the fact that there was the first official word from the league. And, and I, stress, I stress official because Adam Silver's talked a lot. Um, owners have talked a lot. Mark Lazary of the Bucks has been very public and giving some on-the-record quotes. Mark Cuban's been talking. Um, lots of people have been talking about this. But the first official communication from the league in public on the record kind of came out uh, about this on Saturday from Executive Vice President and Chief Communications Officer Mike Bass. I'm going to read the quote to you. It was actually passed along through Ramona Shelburne of ESPN first and then formally announced by the league. But here you go. This is what the uh, league's official statement is right now with regard to uh, moving on um, with Disney. The NBA, in conjunction with the NBPA, the National Basketball Players Association, is engaging in exploratory conversation with the Walt Disney Company about restarting the 2019-20 season in late July at Disney's ESPN Wild World of Sports Complex in Florida as a single site for an NBA campus for games, practices, and housing. Our priority continues to be the health and safety of all involved, and we are working with public experts and government officials on a comprehensive set of guidelines to ensure that appropriate medical protocols and protections are in place. End quote. Now, I'll dive, that in, I'll dive into that a little bit here. Um, the late July thing's got a lot of attention. That'd be the date, at least that the league is talking about in public. Um, and because you need a training camp before that, you would need to get things going you know, by mid-June-ish to have a full training camp. There's more discussions on that that we'll, we'll touch on later on the podcast, but um, the late July thing got a lot of attention. Also, just the fact that this is the that this is now being discussed as, as I guess, a, a sole complex, a sole location. I, I touched on that briefly last week on the podcast with some reporting out there. This is official word, though. It looks like it's going to be Orlando or bust. It's not, it doesn't say that necessarily, but they're talking to Disney enough to what they wanted to say it publicly, and it feels like there will not be a split. It's going to be Disney, uh, it's going to be Wild World of Sports, etc., which Keith Smith has talked about a ton of Yahoo Sports. But um, yeah, it looks like it's going to be Orlando. No huge surprise there, but now uh, on the record. And, uh, you know, single side stuff, priorities of health and safety, etc. Just keep all of that in mind when we, when we dive into the rest of the podcast because it is critical to uh, keep everything that they're saying in mind when it comes to health and safety um, and that potential conflict with revenue and 30 teams and all that stuff. But uh, the first thing on the record there from the NBA, late July start potentially in Orlando at Disney Wild World of Sports. Okay, before we get to the rest of the podcast, a quick word from the good folks at Blinkist. 
It is hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have the free time, you can't read or work on your personal development. There's an incredible app, though, that solves this problem. It's one of the ultimate life hacks, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. It, it takes the best key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people are well-known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book down quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or while you exercise. 12 million people are already using Blinkist right now as a massive, growing library from self-help books to business books, health and history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller lists as well as the classic nonfiction books that you always meant to read but never had the actual time to do so. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to the entire library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer for just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com MBA to try it free, yes, free, for seven days and save 25% off a new subscription. That is Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com MBA to start a seven-day free trial. Yes, a seven-day free trial and from there, you'll save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. All right. And with all that as the backdrop here, um, the Shams Report lays it all out very nicely, but there's been a lots of reaction, not only to that, but to what the NBA had to say through Mike Bass on Saturday. And now I'll touch on the fallout of the reporting that's happened since then. Um, first, Jeff Zilgit of USA Today, a longtime NBA person, a good, credible reporter. Um, he notes that he's been hearing rumblings anyway. I'm going to read this to you now. Quote, if play, if play resumes with regular season games, teams without a chance of making the playoffs wouldn't be invited. End quote. Now, he was not saying that's definitely going to happen, but he was saying that that's at least one of the rumors. I've heard a similar rumor, uh, not to the level of, of, me, of me reporting it, but because Jeff said it out loud, there you go on that. Not the first time that you'll hear that, but there's at least a possibility that even if they have regular season games, they might not bring the entire league to the bubble in Orlando. From there... On Monday, always Sunday night into Monday, the Brian Windhorst podcast over at ESPN had Tim Bontemps and Sean Marks on it. There were some interesting discussions there. Um, for, just for some background, Windhorst is obviously a uh, very very well-plugged-in national insider. Bontemps, former, former uh, guest on this podcast, but uh, also does great work over there. And Brian and Tim have done some extensive reporting on the bubble concept, and they referenced it quite a bit in that podcast. It's definitely worth listening to if you want to go back and listen to that. But they know things, to be sure. Um, you know, It's not saying that they're gospel here by any, by any chance, but this is not just like people throwing stuff around us. There was discussions about multiple sites uh, before this, of course, with the NBA, but um, there's at least part of the thinking potentially, according to this reporting, is that uh, part of the reason why they may uh, have wanted multiple sites is to not have all 30 teams in one place. And that could, I say could, perhaps indicate that a likelihood of uh, fewer than 30 teams would go to Orlando. Again, that's that's some reading between the lines stuff there, but that was, that was a discussion that, that was had on this podcast. I think it was pretty clear throughout that Windhorst and Bonteps and even Marks were um, on on board with the non-30 team options, but there you go on that. Um, I will say this. I have to say this now. I've heard from three people, three separate people that have no relationship to each other, which is kind of funny. And uh, this is not me reaching out, but just since then, people have talked to me independently about this podcast and some of the questions that were asked. Um, and the, one of the questions that I've heard from people, and it's, it definitely makes you think, is why would the NBA have all 30 facilities uh, beyond track to be open, a lot of them are already open, and the other ones are opening. If they were not going to bring 30 teams, or at least consider bringing all 30 teams to the bubble, why would they have all 30 teams fired up? Because, if, for instance, if you're the Hawks, or you're the Knicks, or you're the Warriors, 
why would you why would you have your facility open if the team wasn't going to have any consideration of going? Now that of course does not mean that they will definitely bring all thirty teams, but it's at least it's at least at least has to be on the table to bring all thirty teams because otherwise why would they let teams be firing up for even individual workouts, etc. With that said, um, you know it's interesting to see this, and again, this this podcast was definitely viewed through through a lens of the reporting of these three people and their opinions. Definitely, opinion was not just facts. Uh, talking about the fact that uh, you know sixteen might be uh, more ideal versus thirty, but but still, alas, um, there is a there is a discussion about safety and fewer tests that I thought they had. That's worth pointing out here now. As I said before at the top of the podcast, you know, money does drive a lot of this stuff, but. If you want to make the safety argument, um, you obviously cannot argue. It's not possible to argue that a 30-team bubble is safer than a 16-team bubble or a 20-team bubble. That just can't be made. The more people that you're having uh, in the in the bubble, you are inherently adding risk. You could certainly debate how much risk you're adding, but from a pure health argument and a pure safety argument, there is no argument to be made that expanding the that expanding to 30 teams is the right move just for that. Now, obviously, the financial arguments. Um, lean in that direction, but you have fewer tests, um, you know, all that stuff. The cost actually of just the uh, just the bubble itself, obviously, that's separate than the loss of RSN revenue, etc. It'd be cheaper to have less people there as well. But that kind of goes into how much that, I guess, uh, cuts off with the with the loss the lo- the loss of RSN revenue, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But from a from a health standpoint, uh, again. It'd be healthier. It'd be healthier for everyone and safer for everyone if they wanted to, if they had less people in there. But alas, there's a sort of a trade-off along the way. Also, there has to be discussions, and this is something I talked about. This is also my editorializing a little anyway um, about the money for canceled regular season games. The playoff money, um, just for people who don't know this, is it's like a more of a tiered system. There's not like a bonus. Um, there is a bonus, but it's not it's not this huge like per game figure that guys are paid for the playoffs. Contracts, you know, for instance. Uh, you know, pick pick a guy on the roster of the Hawks. Their their contract is does not include any money for the playoffs. So if Jeff Teague is making eighteen million dollars this year, that does not include any playoff money whatsoever. That's just regular season money, etc. Um, obviously, the teams that made the playoffs, their players would get at least some money from the playoff share, and maybe even more considering uh, some of the hardship here if they wanted to negotiate that. And yet, but you have to account for the teams that don't make the playoffs, and guys won't be thrilled if they're going to lose money because if the league claims force majeure, and they probably will, um, in short, guys will only get play- paid for the games that they actually played, um, or at least were that the games actually occurred, not, not that they played, but the games actually occurred. So if you're on a bad team. And you're going to lose revenue for 12 to 15 games, like the Hawks guys, if they didn't play anymore, um, versus a guy in the playoffs that could make some of that money back on a better team. That isn't going to go well necessarily, unless there's some discussion about that ahead of time. Um, you know, there is also some incentive, more than you might think, to not want regular season games. If uh, you know a lot, of, there's obviously a lot of talk about regional TV money, but this is a discussion they had on the on that ESPN podcast. Um, owners won't be receiving gate revenue during the regular season games and you could argue financially potentially i'm not saying this is gospel because i'm not an expert on this but for what they were saying and what i've read elsewhere um owners could be better off potentially depending on the impact of rsn's to not have regular season games because they're they're paying full freight for their players and not getting any of the gate revenue now that kind of probably it probably comes down to market and the tv contracts because the lakers for instance had this like you know nine figure television contract that's different than a team like the hawks in a row not, not a small market but certainly not one of the bigger uh, tv contracts in the league etc um also you know the playoff only stuff takes less time which is pointed out i think i said that before but also 
just the fact that if the, if the league wants to avoid going into October, November, playoff only could be um, their route if they wanted to do that. Um, also, separately from this, and I've heard this on this podcast as well, argue, there is arguments about about teams, uh, whether it be non-playoff teams or playoff teams, going to Orlando straight for quarantine and having everyone quarantine there rather than because right now one of the proposals is that guys would return to their home markets that includes Atlanta that includes Dallas that includes you know Oakland all those places around the country they have to quarantine there before training camp for some amount of time then they'd be tested they'd have training camp in Atlanta, uh, in Atlanta for instance and then from there they'd all go to Orlando and then have to quarantine again if they're worried about timeline or even just logistics of having to travel again, the league could mandate or at least encourage teams to just quarantine Orlando once. So everybody goes to Orlando, Disney's this massive sprawling property, and at least from what it's, what it looks like, they could house all these teams to do training camp. Be, it might be a little bit challenging, to be honest with you, but at the same time, um, the, the quarantine issue is one that has to be talked about at some point along the way. Um Last things on the reporting aspects here, then we'll sort of dive into what it means for the Hawks. Um, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN on Monday evening reported that Michelle Roberts, the head of the Players Association, is conducting uh, team-by-team conference calls with players on each team and talking about the formats that are in uh, that are in discussion with between the Players Association and the league about financial financial implications. Um, just getting feedback, etc. So we're ramping up here, honestly, for Friday. And this is something I've heard and also read that discussions are happening already now, essentially. The, the, the negotiations definitely happening behind the scenes even now. But on, on Friday, there's a board of governors call that could even be like a vote of the of the governors slash owners. That could be happening as, as soon as Friday. Most of the time, board of governors votes are not really a huge surprise uh, in, in terms of just like not knowing who's going to vote where. That's important to keep in mind because normally when they're doing a vote, there is rarely a big surprise. Most people, at least that are close to the league and sort of taking straw polls, the votes are going to be pretty public in terms of what's going to be out there. This time around, I'm not sure that that's going to be the same, but on Friday, there's a possibility anyway with that call that you could be having real votes and like get real news on what's going to happen based on Friday. Also, there's a GM call that was reported on the day before. That'll be on Thursday. At least it's scheduled for Thursday. Um, GMs in this scenario have a little bit less say, obviously, but I'm sure they are in their owner's ears um, talking about basketball stuff as well as non-basketball stuff, etc. And uh, of course, Travis Schlenk has a lot of power within the Hawks organization, even if Tony Ressler is the deciding vote on anything. So all that said, um, yeah, there's just a lot going on here. In terms of the Hawks, you know, it seems pretty clear, but I'll just say it again real quickly. The Hawks cannot make the playoffs, I don't think, within reason, because um, I don't think 82 games is going to happen. And if you assume a shortened schedule, you know, the Hawks are not going to be one of the teams that are going to be brought. If they, if the league does anything but take 30 teams, the Hawks will not be one of those teams. If Even if they went out to 24, you can pretty safely assume that one of the six that would not come would be the Hawks, just because of where they are in the standings. They are Currently, they have the fourth, the fourth worst record in the league, etc., now, if the Hawks were to be invited to just play regular season games, um, there's a separate argument about what would you bring all your players? Because this is something that Warriors media I know has been talking about quite a bit. The Warriors are in a different spot, obviously, than the Hawks. This is the team that has multiple championships with this with, with this core. Um, there's a lot less incentive, and I think there's almost like an assumption right now that like maybe barring a play-in tournament, the Warriors would not bring any of their key guys, whether it be Steph Curry or Draymond Green, to the bubble. Obviously, the Hawks are much younger and not necessarily in that spot, but Trey Young is a 
guy who um, is a star in the league already. And maybe if you want to be cynical, you could say that the Hawks may not have any, much of a reason to bring Trey Young to the bubble if they're not going to have, at least have a play-in tournament. If you have a play-in tournament, it gets a little bit more interesting. And now the logistics of that are up in the air. But if you have something, some sort of incentive for teams to try to play for, then you have reason to bring your guys because maybe you get in the playoffs. And I assume that if they do the play-in the play tournament, they'll probably have to lock the lottery odds because otherwise teams won't have that much of an incentive. But if they lock the lottery odds and there's no reason that what the Hawks would penalize themselves, sure, they could put the pedal to the metal and maybe try to win and get in the playoffs, sneak in and try to get that experience. Are they going to win the championship? No, obviously. But it would be fun in that, in that scenario. So that's where things get into interesting territory with the Hawks specifically on this Hawks-specific podcast is that A... They may not be going. That's that's on the table. I'm not saying it's likely by any means, but one of the options that is absolutely being discussed around the league is a scenario in which, even if it's not just 16 teams, it'll be 20 or 24, and the Hawks would not be one of them. So to keep that in mind. I'm not rooting for that. I'd love to have basketball games to talk about, but keep that in mind. That's on the table, number one. Number two, if it's just regular season games... Um, it might take on like a summer league feel that's been out there a little bit for these teams that don't have any incentive to win. Maybe you just send your young guys and maybe you send your non-core pieces, whether you're the Warriors or maybe you leave, if you're the Wolves, you might, maybe you leave Carl, Tan- Carl Anthony Towns at home. Maybe if you're the Wizards, you leave Bradley Beal at home. Um, Hawks, John Collins, Trey Young, maybe we'll see how that goes. And, uh, I'm not sure the league would love that, but at the same time, if it's just regular season games to get to the, if, if it's just a blatant money grab to get regular season games in, which is what that will be, honestly, if they do that and just mandate that only teams come in, they come in, they play five games and they go home. That might just be a summer league standing. I'm not really sure how it's going to work, how that's going to work, but that's definitely on the table as well. So we'll see how that all goes for the Hawks. We'll learn about this in the future. Obviously, you can get your information from other places other than me, but I try to round it up as much as possible. It's going to be a while, regardless of what they do here. Um, training camp is necessary for this. You can't just have guys show up and play in a week. They're going to have to have a two, three-week protocol in terms of uh, you know getting ready to play. No, no trainer in the league is going to sign off on a guy who's been sitting around, even if they've been working out, not playing real basketball for several months now is going to be something they have to get past in terms of training camp scenario. And also, this is the big one. That's why I'm saving, saving, saving for the end. And this is a question that the league has to answer before anything else happens is that what is, what is the protocol going to be for a positive test of a player or really anyone in the, in the, uh, in the bubble, but especially a player? That's the, that's the number one thing that all the sports have to talk about at some point in time. Baseball's in, in a similar spot where they're talking about the same kind of timeline as basketball. These, these these leagues have to answer that question before anything else happens because, you know, that's just one of the realities of the situation is that you might get a positive test. And when you do, I can't imagine they're going to want to shut, 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 shut everything down, but it's in play to uh, find out what the protocol is going to be. So that's important as well. I've rambled on for a long, long time on all of this, but in short, this is a big week. It feels like for the NBA and the restart, whether it be you know with the Hawks or without the Hawks, we will talk about that all as we get, as we get going here. Um, if there's any more major news, we will definitely update it on that. I don't want to do too much of these roundups where it's just so much news throwing at you, but uh, I felt like there was just a ton of stuff to wade through in the last three or four days. Some of these playoff options are legitimately intriguing. Like play-in tournaments uh, would be a lot of fun. It's something that people have been talking about for a long time, the NBA, and that's one situation where the Hawks could be dangerous as a young team that does have a lot of talent, and we'll see how that goes. There's fallout with Clint Capella. Is he going to be able to play? There's all kinds of storylines for the Hawks. Once once we get more information on what is going to happen with the Hawks specifically, I promise you I'll dive in on that. I can't promise you I'll always do all the news league-wide, but anything that impacts the Hawks or any final and, uh, I would say, official pronouncements 
would be uh, worth it here. And I would definitely recommend following the work of Sham Sharani on The Athletic and Woj on, Woj on ESPN and uh, you know Brian Winhorst, Mark Stein. All the insiders have this stuff right now. They're trying, and but it's always worth noting that uh, money is important here. As I started the podcast off with that, I'll end, I'll end the podcast with that. There is still plenty of incentive financially for all 30 teams to be there. And uh, if you're rooting for more Hawks basketball, even in whatever form it is, it may not be the best form in the, in the world if it's, if it's just regular season games, but I will uh, be here to talk about all of it. If games happen, even if they're summer league quality games, uh, as you all know, if you're a long-time listener, to the podcast i usually go to summer league and talk about all those games so uh, we'll be here please subscribe to the podcast please let me know if you have any questions on anything that i've said on this pod or any other pod i uh, recently have talked to zach hood we're doing a five-part series on the nba draft that's unraveling now we did, we did one part last week um that was headlined by Den- denny abdia etc talking about forwards uh we talked about other things on the podcast recently robbie callum was on talked about the last dance ben ladder with a fantastic series that i really enjoyed doing about the whole roster there's a five-parter there if you want to ch- catch up on that Go ahead and do it. But please tell a friend. Please subscribe to the podcast. Check out Built Bar. Check out Blinkist. And we will see you guys later on in the week.